Welcome to episode three of the Wire to Wire podcast. I'm your host Yusuf, and we have some fun topics to discuss today. So let's just get right into it. There may be a breakup in Oklahoma City. So Carmelo Anthony recently opted into the final year of his contract that will pay him $28 million. But it just seems that the Oklahoma City Thunder don't want to pay him that much, partially because of luxury tax problems, but also because he doesn't seem to fit their style of play. Since Carmelo Anthony got there, a lot of people have been suggesting that he should come off the bench and that he is no longer a starter. Now, this is a tough topic for me because, you know, truthfully, I'm a Carmelo Anthony fan and I've been watching him since his days at Syracuse. But I'm going to be very real on this topic. And Carmelo Anthony coming off the bench is one of those things that I don't think he should have to do, but he should consider doing. Now, here's the thing. When he first arrived in OKC, Everyone was excited. Oh, they have a big three of Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo. All it took was one journalist or one reporter to ask him about potentially coming off the bench for this team. And ever since then, it set off a firestorm. Carmelo should come off the bench. Carmelo should come off the bench. And it just doesn't make sense for him to come off the bench. He's still a talented player. He can still give you buckets. Like, he's an offense... Like. He's you could we could all agree that he's at least a top six small forward in the league. I mean in no particular order here, but you would take LeBron over him, Kevin Durant, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, and then who else? So Carmelo was still right there. The thing is with OKC is that they didn't have he wasn't being utilized effectively. And this I blame on the coach. Billy Donovan, you have a guy who can give you 20 points, 25, even 30 on on most nights, rarely easily, but instead you're using him as a catch-and-shoot player, and there was no offensive system in place. You give the ball to Westbrook, he dribbles for 16 seconds, you have 8 seconds left on the shot clock, he's either going to pass it off to Paul George and force him to make a play quickly, or he's going to pass it to the corner to Carmelo Anthony to attempt a bailout three those are low percentage shots and Carmelo Anthony is not a catch and shoot player and he shouldn't be used as a catch and shoot player I mean he was in a system where he's being used as a Ryan Anderson and he wasn't being used to his strengths and that made him look worse than he really is and because he wasn't being used effectively it makes it look like you know he's washed like he's just a washed up player now here's the thing I'll admit this, the guy does not play much defensively and he will be a liability on the defensive side. So that in and of itself is turning a lot of teams off. And then people say, you know, he's an isolation player and he holds the ball for too long. And he is an isolation player and he does have a tendency to hold the ball. But are we really going to act like he's the only one that does it? I mean, what does Westbrook do? What does Harden do? What does LeBron do on occasion? I'm not saying that he's better than these guys but this is something that happens in the league so for us to act like you know Carpello Anthony's the only one that's doing it in a game that has evolved from holding and isolation 
I think it's a little bit unfair of a criticism. Now, with that being said, OKC has agreed that, you know, they'll allow Carmelo Anthony to meet with other teams and they'll try to find out what to do with him, whether it is to trade him, waive him, or just do a buyout. Now, one of the teams that emerged as a front runners for his services is the Houston Rockets. Now, the thing with the Houston Rockets is stylistically, it would make sense for him because, you know, they're more of a run-and-gun, offense-first you know, and they're not really a high priority. They don't really prioritize defense thanks to Mike D'Antoni and his system. So, you know, on paper, it seems like Carmelo Anthony would be a good fit. But I don't know if I necessarily agree with him going on that team, only because the head coach is Mike D'Antoni. And if you don't know, these guys have a bit of a history. So Mike D'Antoni was a coach of the Knicks back in the 2012 season. And essentially, Carmelo Anthony was working behind the scenes to get rid of him and eventually Mike D'Antoni who caught wind of it ended up resigning now you know agreed we are you know about six years removed from that happening but when Mike D'Antoni actually looked the other way and tried to help Carmelo Anthony or would he you know maybe use this as a time to kind of sabotage the guy and say hey you know what we're going to need you to come off the bench knowing Carmelo Anthony doesn't want to be a bench player and would he actually try to do what he can to make the most of him that's the thing I'm not sure and I you know the Rockets kind of took a step back from where they were last season so even from a winning perspective I don't think him joining there puts him in the best position to win another potential team for him would be the Lakers and I actually think he should consider going here I mean LeBron has always talked about one day wanting to play with his friend you know Carmelo and I think Carmelo Anthony would actually be willing to listen to a guy like LeBron because they're from the same draft class and LeBron has accomplished everything that Carmelo hasn't. So if Carmelo tells him, I mean, if LeBron tells him you're going to play defense, I think Melo will play defense. If he tells him this is what I need you to do, I think he's going to go out there and do it. And because he's playing alongside multiple playmakers, Rondo, LeBron, even Lonzo Ball to a lesser degree, I think that'll make Carmelo Anthony's job so much easier because I don't see how playing in the Rockets with a ball stopper like Chris Paul or Harden would somehow make Carmelo Anthony better. He may be forced to have to find his own offense, kind of like how he was forced to do the same thing in OKC. You know, I think what the Lakers want to do is they want to actually run in a, they actually want to run a system where it's not just one guy holds the ball. And I think Carmelo Anthony could thrive more in that. And if they add him, I do think that kind of adds a new layer to this Lakers team where they have offense because right now they have no offense outside of LeBron, really. I mean, you have guys like Rondo and Lance Stevenson, but who are, where are you going to get your scoring from? Yeah, you have Brandon Ingram there, but, you know, he's young and inexperienced. And we saw what happens with young and inexperienced guys on the Cavaliers. So I think Carmelo Anthony would be a much better fit in the Lakers. And for everyone who's probably going to say, hey, you're taking it easy on the guy. The guy's not the same player. I'll admit, you know, he's not the same player he was on the Nuggets or even when he first got to New York. But I don't believe that his decline is as dramatic as people are making it sound. And, you know, let's keep some perspective here. When Phil Jackson first came to New York, Carmelo was receptive to him and was willing to make it work within the triangle. But he saw like what other people saw, that you can't use an antiquated 
system in a mo- in the modern NBA where it's all about running and taking a lot of threes and playing from beyond the arc. So that system wasn't working, and he still bought in. He still gave it a chance, started to play off the ball more. But, you know, it was just a messed up situation. There was a lot of uh, dysfunction within that organization, to say the least. And it didn't work out. And I think Phil Jackson's comments kind of sabotaged him as well. And the fact that he was willing to trade him for really a bag of chips and some peanuts didn't help his reputation in the league either. And then when he went to OKC, he was buying into the system. You know, he was playing his role of a catch-and-shoot player, but obviously he wasn't thriving in his role. And then when they get eliminated to the Utah Jazz you know, suddenly the blame is falling on his shoulders. And really, it wasn't necessarily his fault. Like, he played a role in it. Don't get me wrong. He didn't produce as much as he should have offensively. But then you have to ask yourself why. And it's because he wasn't put in a a position to produce. You know, Russell Westbrook will hold the ball for majority of the shot clock. And then you're forced to take a bad shot to bail him out. You know, the coach is not creating any plays for you. You're just standing there on the perimeter watching all this stuff happen. So it just wasn't a good fit for him in OKC. And I think if he's really thinking about winning and he's thinking about, I don't want to say revitalizing his career because he's in his 15th season, but showing that he could still play this game at a high level, his best option is joining the Lakers and not necessarily the Rockets. But yeah, we'll see what happens. The season is still a couple of months away, but I do think that we'll see Carmelo Anthony in a new, in a new uniform way before then. But we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Isaiah Thomas signed a one-year, $2 million deal with the Denver Nuggets. Now, many of you are probably thinking, oh, $2 million, that's not bad. But if you've been following the story of Isaiah Thomas, you know that that's not a lot. His story is actually one of the more interesting ones. So what started off as a hopeful overcoming the odd story is now becoming one of the more sadder stories that we've seen in NBA history. So let's take it back to when he got drafted in the second round and was the 60th pick. And he was only 5'9". And yet somehow he managed to take the basketball world by storm went to the Boston Celtics where he averaged 28 points, became a two-time All-Star, and led his team to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2017. Now, this was a great season for him, and he was actually on pace to signing a max extension of $100 million. But in that playoffs run, he overcame a lot of adversity. So first, he lost his sister in a tragic car accident. And despite, you know, the pain of losing a family member, he still showed up to play. And also, in one of the games, he had his tooth knocked out. Didn't stop him. He still came back to the court and played. And then he injured his hip. And despite having a hip injury, for the sake of the team and for the sake of winning, he decided to play through that injury. Now, that seems some, that seems like a noble cause, but it actually ended up costing him dearly. They ended up losing to the Cavaliers in five games in the conference finals he missed their final two games and he had to sit out for the remainder of the playoffs and then that offseason when he was 
on pace to getting his max contract, he got traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. He only ended up playing a few games for the Cavaliers before he ended up getting traded to the Lakers. And from there, his career was just never the same. So a guy who was supposed to make $100 million is now only making $2 million in Denver. So that in and of itself is sad. And the fact that he gave so much to the game and so much to the Celtics, and in the end, all they ended up doing was trading him. Now, granted, even though he was due for an extension and he was due for all that money, the Celtics were not going to give it to him. But there was some team out there that would have because of the way he played and what he was doing. But because he had that hip injury and he tried to play through it and he only aggravated it, that essentially hurt his value in the league. And, you know, when you're that small and you're 5'9", you rely a lot on your speed and athletic ability. So damaging your hip can be very costly, as we're seeing here. And, you know, it's a very tragic story, to say the least. So now that he's in Denver, what does this mean? Now, he's saying that he doesn't care for the money, that he just wants to be able to play again. And who knows if he'll even start because they have Jamal Murray there as their point guard. But I just hope that he can, you know, play in a system that allows him to thrive. And I think that he will be in a position to succeed. Um, The coach for the Denver Nuggets right now, uh, Kevin Malone, was his former coach back when he was on the Sacramento Kings. So I think having a coach that has familiarity with you in your game, I think could help him potentially, you know, kind of reestablish himself in the league. Now, I don't know if he'll ever be that max player that he was supposed to be a couple of years ago, but I think he'll be a solid enough player that he can make a decent salary, certainly a lot more than $2 million a season. But we'll just have to see what happens, you know, um, The season is only a couple of months away, and it's good that he at least found a city to play in. And hopefully, you know, I'm wishing him all the best, and I'm wishing him great success. You know, Isaiah Thomas was a very exciting player. You know, the fact that he was 5'9", and he was playing at the high level that he was, you know, he scored, if I'm not mistaken, 52 points in a playoffs game. You know, one of the most points scored since Allen Iverson did and the fact that he was only 5'9", you know, sets a great example. And the fact that, you know, he tried to do something noble, like play through an injury for the sake of the team and try to be there for his team and, you know, be like playing for the team even though he suffered something tragic like his sister's death, you know, is is very sad. And it kind of shows you that this game is just a business. And... You know, these owners and these GMs, they treat the game like a business and they have no problem with trading players. And then, you know, when players decide that they want to take careers and take their career to their own hand and make decisions that's best for them, you know, fans burn their jerseys or they, you know, or they're very unreasonably upset with them, you know, unless you're Kevin Durant. But that's not, that's neither here nor there. Anyways, you know, best of luck to Isaiah Thomas. Hope he can do some damage next year. Um, Obviously, I mean that in a good way. Do some damage out there on the court. And, you know, if he can... If the Denver Nuggets can somehow manage to become a playoff team and Isaiah Thomas can have a great season, then I expect him to, you know, have a decent payday. But we'll just have to see what happens. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. (laughs) 
According to Brian Windhorst of ESPN, the Toronto Raptors earned the driver's seat to acquire in Kawhi Leonard from the San Antonio Spurs. Now, if you've been following the story the way I have been, then you know that this is an interesting turn of events in the Kawhi Leonard saga. So let's just kind of break this down a little bit. So this offseason, Kawhi Leonard has made it clear that he does not want to play for the San Antonio Spurs anymore and that he intends on going to Los Angeles. So the San Antonio Spurs don't want to trade him to either Los Angeles teams, the Lakers or the Clippers, because they're considered rivals and they don't want to strengthen their competition. So they prefer to trade him to the Eastern Conference. So with that being said, there's a lot of teams that, you know, have been bidding for services. The Celtics, the Sixers, the Lakers and Clippers. But all those teams essentially have bowed out once they found out that it's going to be a one-year rental as he plans on going to Los Angeles, like I said earlier. So that leaves the Raptors as the front runners for potentially acquiring him. So if I'm the Raptors, do I pull the trigger on this deal? I would strongly consider it and possibly do it. Now, according to reports, it's gonna they have to decide between DeRozan and Lowry. And if I'm them, I'm getting rid of Lowry and trying to bring Kawhi on board. Now, here's the thing. Kyle Lowry is one of the highest paid players in the league, making $29 million a year. And you only give me 16 points and 6 assists. Okay, so I'm paying you almost $30 million a year to give me Terry Rozier numbers. I mean, don't get me wrong. Kyle Lowry is a solid player. Um, but those numbers are inexcusable for a guy making that much. And we saw the disappearing act he does when he goes to the playoffs. Uh, we saw what happened this year against the Cavaliers, but I'm not going to get into that. Anyways, moving on. If they trade Lowry and maybe include some younger pieces and they bring Kawhi on board, now this doesn't make them the favorites to come out of the East, but this certainly makes them a credible team. I still think the East has to go through the Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers to a lesser degree, but this will definitely make things interesting and they could pose a challenge to those teams. I don't see the Raptors beating those teams, but they definitely give them a challenge for sure. Um, with that being said, what happens after the one year is up and Kawhi Leonard is a free agent? Well, he's most likely going to bolt for Los Angeles. And the Raptors will have to eventually do a rebuild. So they're just delaying the inevitable by one more year. The way this team is currently constructed, I don't see them winning a championship and I don't even see them coming out of the east so they're just going to be a middle of the pack team as they've consistently been so do they want to continue that or do they want to just you know what rebuild and start from scratch if they get Kawhi Leonard this year let's just say they were to get eliminated in the playoffs this allows them to you know do a slow rebuild DeMar DeRozan will be a free agent in 2019 and he can explore other options and may potentially leave opening the doors for a full rebuild for the Raptors. So, from the Raptors' perspective, a trade like this makes perfect sense. I mean, you get to add a superstar talent to your team, one of the top players in this league. Um, that's a trade that you definitely have to make, especially if you can only if you could only give up Lowry and a couple of younger pieces for it. You definitely make the move. But if I'm the San Antonio Spurs, is this a good deal for me? Well, you're going to get an aging point guard in Kyle Lowry who 
you know, is a, he's a tough player. I'll give him that. You know, he's a very uh, pesky defender. He's a decent offensive player. You know, he can shoot. Um, he can pass. He's a effective rebounder for a guy of his size. But, you know, he's not a winning player. Uh, he's shown that time and time again in his career with the Raptors that he's not the guy that can help get you over the hump or take you to that next level. So I don't see the, much incentive for the Spurs in making this trade and bringing a guy like Lowry and a couple of younger pieces over. And then you're going to be paying him a $30 million a year salary too. So that's another thing to keep in mind. So overall, you know, it's just a, the Spurs are in a bit of a predicament. You know, do you make a trade and bring someone on board? Or do you just ride it out with Kawhi until he's a free agent and just let him walk for nothing? So that's something that they're going to have to take a look at and decide for themselves. Um, one thing that I do want to say to the Spurs, though, however, is that, you know, keep in mind when you're trading a star player or a player of Kawhi Leonard's uh, caliber, you know, you got to keep in mind that you will never get equal value for that player. Uh, we've seen this throughout league history. Whenever a star player gets traded, the players that the players that the other team gets in return is never equal. And that's something you just have to keep in mind. Um, to give you guys some examples, when the Lakers traded Shaq in 2004, you know, they got Lamar Odom. Um, when the Raptors traded Vince Carter in 2004, they got Jalen Rose and Danielle Marshall, who were solid players, but they obviously weren't on the level of a Vince Carter. So the Spurs have to keep that in mind. You never get equal value, or very rarely do you get equal value for a star player or a player of that caliber. So they have to decide whether or not Kyle Lowry is worth that risk. Secondly, you know, one thing I have to say about the situation is the way I kind of view it, uh, my perspective has, has kind of changed a bit. So initially, you know, when I was looking at this, I thought, man, Kawhi Leonard is quitting on this team. You know, I mean, he was cleared by the doctors to play and he's not showing up. You know, I thought the pressure of being the franchise player for the San Antonio Spurs was kind of getting to him, especially after, you know, Tim Duncan retired. But then, you know, I started looking into the Isaiah Thomas situation and looking at how that whole thing unfolded. And it kind of changed my perspective a little bit because, you know, Kawhi Leonard, according to his camp, he was misdiagnosed on his groin injury from the Spurs medical staff. And he received, you know, an independent doctor he got an independent doctor to look at the injury and so you know with the team pressuring him to come in back with players on the team calling him out and all that going on I think he felt a little bit betrayed and you know I look at what happened with Isaiah Thomas and how much he gave to that Celtics franchise and what he got in return you know I feel that he looked at that situation and said you know I don't want that happening to me and, you know, it makes sense. You know, I can kind of agree with him from that perspective. So it kind of changed things a little bit. But one thing that I will say is he needs to deal with it with a bit more professionalism. You know, a couple of months has passed since these stories have surfaced. And not once have you really spoken out or you only spoken once to Greg Popovich, you know, the coach of the Spurs. You got to have more open dialogue and you have to communicate with the team. 
And I think you have to be more transparent in terms of what you're thinking and what you're looking to do. I'm mean, obviously it's clear you no longer want to be there, but at least keeping an open dialogue with the organization, I think is important. You know, ever since his uh, uncle came into management, I've noticed that there's been a shift in demeanor and a shift in behavior. You know, the way he's conducting business with the Spurs and even the approach he's taken with Jordan Brand to a lesser degree, you know, it's um, less professionalism. And, you know, the Spurs, you got to give them credit. You know, they're one of the most classiest organizations that this league has. You know, over the past 20 years, they've proven to be a very classy, respectable organization. The way they treated Tim Duncan and David Robinson. You know, even too, they're the team that introduced, you know, resting players to the to the NBA landscape. They were resting guys like Parker, Duncan, and Ginobili to help keep them fresh for the playoffs. And, you know, this practice was eventually adopted by other organizations as well. So I think, you know, Kawhi Leonard owes him at least a bit more professionalism. But, you know, I can't fault him for feeling the way that he does. Ultimately, organizations will always do what's best for them. So it's up to the players to look out for themselves. You know, when I say Isaiah Thomas is a cautionary tale, that's one example that you can take from it as I spoke about in the earlier segment. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, if I'm the Raptors, you make the deal. If I'm the Spurs, this deal doesn't really make much sense. But, you know, it's either you get something back for him or you let him walk. And you got to understand that when you have a player of this caliber on the trading block, very rarely will you get a player of equal value. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but yeah, that's the end of today's episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe. And I'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care.